So we are on page 61. And we're up to the response of the Khazarian king to the Christian. Because as we saw yesterday, what the Christian's argument was based on, saying that the way that he knows that the, the their belief is true is based on the fact that, well, we have all of the ideas that we started with the Jewish faith, and then we recognized that there were replacement theology, and we took over for that, right? And we didn't even come to negate anything that was said, right? We said that maybe part of what we might want to discuss at some point, maybe we have to look into exactly what the what this Christian theologian, what, what exactly his belief was. But let's look at the Khazari's response. The Khazari said to the Christian, logic plays no part in your argument. If anything, logic dictates the exact opposite. When it comes to things illogical, the only way a person will be convinced the reality is different is by seeing something firsthand, right? So people could sometimes have an illogical, illogical conclusions, right? But if someone already had an illogical conclusion, then assuming that they, they um, for whatever reason, they came up with their illogical conclusion in the first place, it's very difficult to get someone to see logic, right, through convincing them that they're, what they're saying is illogical. It doesn't actually happen as often as people would like to think that it happens, right? You know, people like to engage in debates and they think that they're really going to change someone's mind. It doesn't really happen that often, right? So but what can convince them otherwise is firsthand experience, right? The experiential can convince them otherwise. When a person sees something with his own eyes, he has no choice but to fully accept the phenomenon as true, despite it's illogical. It's, it's illogic. The individual is then forced to reconcile the logic of the case with what he saw and to gradually work out some logical explanation for the phenomenon. A good example of this is found among the empirical scientists. They develop their theories in conformity with logic and also dismiss various phenomena as being logically impossible. But if you demonstrate to them empirically that something they had previously dismissed actually exists, they are forced to revise their theories and find a way to explain a new phenomenon based on the stars or other spiritual forces. Because ultimately, you cannot deny your eyes, right? Observation is certainly going to be primary, right? So if the observation is negating what you conclusions that you might have come to in your abstract hypotheses, Right, or based on all the information that you had until now. But now observation says, unlike what you've said until now, you're going to have to reconcile that, but you can't just ignore it. In your case, however, you have not shown me any physical evidence to substantiate your beliefs. Furthermore, what you suggest is totally foreign to me. I was not raised with these ideas. Therefore, I need to search more thoroughly until I find the truth. So I'm uncertain what, what exactly is bothering him. Right, which part is bothering him? I think it's just the very fact that what the Christian is telling him is take this on faith, right? For Christianity, a large part of their belief system has always been based on there has to be faith, right? Just take it on faith. And Judaism is never about that, right? And I think that's part of what's bothering the, the Kazari is you're, you're asking me to just believe just because you're saying so. And this, this I don't like. Okay, we've done short shrift with the philosopher and now the Christian. Now we're up to the Muslim. Afterwards, the Khazari called for a wise Muslim and asked him about his ideas and practices. The Muslim said, we uphold the beliefs in the unity and eternity of God, that the world is God's creation, and that all men are descended from the first man, Adam. Okay, so, so far, exactly the same as the Christians. However, right, I, I stuck in the however, we reject the possibility of corporeality in God, right? We, we completely negate the Christian belief of the Trinity, of the fact that the divine can take a human form. If you find anything in our literature, the Quran, 
as seems to indicate otherwise. We would explain that those passages are written metaphorically to bring certain esoteric ideas closer to man's grasp. We further believe that our holy book is the word of God and that indeed the wondrous text itself proves this. No mortal could ever write a book such as ours, nor even a single sentence such as those in our Quran. We also believe that our prophet Muhammad is the last of the prophets and that his teaching supersedes all doctrines that preceded him. He calls to all nations to convert to Islam. The reward after death for one who follows Muhammad is the return of the soul to the body, which will dwell in the Garden of Eden. Such a person will lack no delight food, drink, women, and all that his soul desires, right? So we started off with Christianity talking, and we were talking about the idea that for Christianity, the apex of, of holiness, the apex of sanctifying oneself would be to remove oneself from this world, right? Because it's never about commandments. It's never about taking the mundane and making it holy in Christianity, as we've discussed in 19 letters. So for Christianity, Garden of Eden, right? The concept of a, a world to come, which Christians certainly believe in, is not going to be anything in this world. It will never be a physical world because that, that doesn't make any sense. The entire point is our, all about our souls. But the Muslims take the other extreme, right? And they say that the soul will be returned to the body, which will dwell in the Garden of Eden. But they certainly focus on a very materialistic type of idea, right? We know, right? We know the idea of the, the martyrs, the, the shaheed, right? What they're going to receive, right? The, the Muslim tradition teaches that when someone martyrs themselves for the sake of, uh, of Islam, what happens is they're going to be worthy of getting 70 virgins in the world to come, right? The very concept of saying that that's something which will be important to someone in the world to come is, is, doesn't, doesn't sit well at all, right? But he who rebels against Islam will descend to a never-ending fire and his suffering will last forever. And so that's something which certainly we, we all have in common, right? The, the Rambam will tell us, and, and I think Islam, as well as Christianity, does believe that this is an actual physical fire, right? As far as I know, the Rambam will tell you that in, in Judaism, it certainly sounds like it's a fire, but the Rambam says, of course, it's not actually a fire. It's just the, the metaphor that is the easiest for us to accept is the most painful idea that we can think of is to be sitting in a fire. That's the most painful idea we could think of to be burned alive. The concept, the pain that we will go through is far more severe than our physical bodies being burned alive. The concept of feeling the lack of closeness with God is a terrible, terrible fate. And the only thing that we could uh, think of that as somewhat similar as a metaphor would be fire. Okay. The Kuzari responded, if you want to prove that God exists and that God communicates with humans and the person whom you are attempting to convince is a non-believer, then you need to begin with an account of famous miracles that are irrefutable. Only then is there a chance that the person will believe that God communicated with man. You claim that the wondrous text of your holy book proves the existence of God and that this can only be appreciated in the original Arabic. That may be so, but for a foreigner such as myself who does not understand Arabic, this proof is meaningless. You can read the Quran to me all you want, but I cannot tell the difference between one Arabic book and another, right? So presumably at that point, the Quran had not been translated into English, or certainly not English, but I guess into whatever language that was the native language of, of the Khazarian king. So, so if you're going to be reading to me what you claim to be the book of God, but you're just reading it to me and telling me what it says, I have no idea if that's true or not, because I'm not able to read it in the original. The wise Muslim responded, our prophet did perform great miracles. However, knowing the story of these miracles was never deemed necessary for acceptance of our religion. 
I'm going to go out on a limb over here and say that this is partially a response by Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi, right, who indeed is actually, you know, engineering or reverse engineering the conversation that is happening over here based on principles that he's trying to establish. The Rambam Maimonides would say something very similar, that the knowledge of the miracles that have guided the Jewish people throughout our existence is not actually necessary for acceptance of Judaism either. That, that would be the Rambam's position. And I want to go out on a limb over here and say that Rabbi Huda Levi is kind of putting this into the words of the Muslim. Because remember, Muslims in the generations uh, that we're speaking of, right, about a thousand years ago, almost a thousand years ago, they were deep, deep philosophers. And they did indeed believe that miracles, that's not really necessary. We can just prove things abstractly and only abstractly, and that would be sufficient. And Rehuda Levi is sticking this into the, their voice because he wants to, once again, set it up as a contrast to what the rabbi is going to end up establishing, which is critical, critical to Judaism, is the idea that we do have a, a religion, a tradition of miracles that happened in front of the entire people. And that those miracles are actually one of the greatest foundational part of our belief system that we do believe in God and that the God did choose the Jewish people for it to be the, the chosen nation. Okay, to be continued tomorrow, we'll, we'll continue on in the conversation. It is interesting, by the way, to note that uh, Rabbi Dalevi certainly felt that it's deeper, more, he needed to combat more what the Muslim tradition taught then he needed to combat what the Christian tradition taught. Like the Christian tradition, he takes care of in like one short conversation, done, out of there, right? You know, totally gone. But the, the Muslim tradition, he feels more of a need to, to have a back and forth so that he can fully establish why the Muslim tradition is wrong. Today, I think we probably would think of it a little bit differently. That's partially our predisposition because of what the, the, the violence, I guess, that the, the Muslims have spread throughout the world, that we have this um, knee-jerk reaction that they can't be spreading something that's true. But the truth of the matter is that that's not necessarily a great reaction, that that's an automatic thought, that, oh, they can't be right because of the Taliban, right? That, that's not necessarily true. And also in the, in the Middle Ages and even before the Middle Ages, the Muslims were where the philosophy lay. Right. It was not with the Christians. Right. The Muslim was where the rational thought was was on, on a very high level. And the Christians did not necessarily have that same same uh, wisdom. Chuck, did you want to say something? I did. Unfortunately, uh, Barbara and I would not be able to join you tomorrow night. We're going to be at Becky's. Oh, OK. Enjoy. Great. Great. Send regards, please. OK. Are people around tomorrow night? Are we skipping tomorrow night? What's the are people? How many people are going to be available tomorrow at seven? Well, the le leptin, what's it called? What's the what's that um the, the enzyme in Turkey that puts you to sleep? Leptin, something like that. I forget what it's called, but tryptophan. Tryptophan. Okay, there you go. Tryptophan, yeah? Okay, tryptophan. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. So people are around though. So Bruce and Laura are around. Okay, we're assuming people are around. We're we're good. We'll be we'll be studying tomorrow night at seven for our 10-minute class. Okay. Take care, guys. Be well. Good night.